Hi everyone, uh, Ruben Dinarino here. I'm really excited today to interview my friend Ben Miles, who has a really unconventional career journey and is now working at Google. Um, so Ben joined Google as a digital marketing apprentice and eventually worked his way up to a full-time position as the youngest ever cloud technical engineer. Um, so Ben, thanks for agreeing to make this happen. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm really excited to be here. So hopefully it'll be a nice little chat we can have. Yeah. So um, to start off, tell me more about your background and how you actually got into digital marketing. Was this something that you always wanted to do or um, yeah, what made you kind of decide to do an apprenticeship directly? Because a lot of people would um, just go the conventional route. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, so this is a really interesting one. You know, I, I do think back on it every now and again, just to sort of see see where I started and, you know, what my journey's been like, because it's kind of been all over the place. Um, I mean, I think, as you said, it's definitely what could be considered unconventional in terms of, um, you know, roles I've had and sort of interests I've had as well. But to kind of go back to, uh, to go back to the start. So I finished secondary school in 2017. Um, so I went to sixth form and I studied French, Spanish and geography, which I guess is an interesting choice by, by a lot of people's standards. But, you know, I, I enjoyed it to an extent, in especially uh, the languages. I mean, school as a whole, I, I didn't particularly enjoy. I was never particularly academic. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of didn't want to stay on with, with further education and university. So that was one of my main reasons for looking at alternative routes. Um, my school never really went into too much detail about other things other than university. You know, I, I guess schools um, kind of have an incentive to try and get as many of their pupils to university as possible. Um, so I guess that's understandable. But I suppose my interest in digital marketing, you know, started when I was much younger. I was always interested in the internet, uh, technology, but I wasn't really aware of any kind of formal careers that you could have with this. Um, I guess growing up, you know, my family, my friends, no one really did anything technical. They had quite traditional roles and traditional interests. Um, so I was always under the impression that the internet was kind of a waste of time. You know, it, it was just a place to play games, do dumb stuff, break things. And that was gonna kind of be the end of that. Um, but, you know, social media became a bit more popular um, sort of from 2010 onwards. You know, Facebook was founded in the mid 2000s. Instagram came around 2010. Um, Google had been around for a while with kind of Internet advertising. So it was this kind of new area that was rising, but not many people knew about it or at least, you know, people around me. Um, so I always was aware that there was this whole kind of industry going on, but I had no idea how to get into it. I had no idea really what it was, what it entailed. Um, and I didn't really have anyone to ask, you know, like I, I couldn't go for advice. You know, the only advice I had was the internet. So I guess after I left school, um, I was looking for apprenticeships as I'd been told that they're a good alternative, but I didn't really know too much about them. Um, and there, there, there are loads of resources that you can use. The, the one that I used was the government find an apprenticeship website that we have here in the UK. Um, but since then, loads and loads of other sites have come along. You know, if, if you're interested, you have sites like Not Going to Uni, um, which is quite a common one. There's Instagram accounts, which, you know, have loads of information on this type of stuff. Um, so even just typing in, you know, apprenticeships into Google will hopefully give you uh, quite a few results for stuff you could look into. But, you know, this digital marketing apprenticeship role came up and it looked interesting, you know, not, not only because it was at Google, which I was very excited by because I, always, I always wanted to work there. But I think the fact of the day-to-day -day role um, or the fact that it looked pretty interesting as well. So as I mentioned, kind of the technology side really interested me and this whole idea that social media was a real job, you know, that there is such thing as advertising and marketing on the internet, uh, which, you know, I, I just never knew that was a thing when I was younger. So I sort of applied to it because it seemed like a good fit. You know, I got to combine my passion for the internet and technology with, you know, my use of social media. 
Um, and that's kind of how I got into it. I think also prior to starting the role, I did a week a week's work experience in year 12. So I know it varies between schools, but in my school, we had to do a week of work experience. And I ended up at this kind of digital marketing agency um, through a connection um, from, from one of my kind of parents' friends. And throughout the week that I was there doing my work experience, uh, I was asked to research into a company and what their digital marketing strategy was. And I think, bear in mind, you know, I'd, I'd never done this before. I had no real experience with this and I guess it was work experience so it didn't really matter but um, you know I, I went online I, I chose Google as the company it was completely coincidental I chose Google as the company to look up for my work experience project and I was looking into you know how do they manage Facebook posts how do they do Twitter how do they address their audience kind of tone of voice all this type of stuff um, and it seemed really interesting and when I saw this digital marketing role I kind of thought you know my, my week's work experience might come in handy Although it, you know, it's only a week, I think maybe it did help when it came to the interviews because I could talk about, you know, some of the stuff I'd done. But really, it was more of a passion than anything. Um, so that's kind of how I got into it. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really interesting, actually. And it's amazing how you managed to actually incorporate what you learned during that week um, and use that experience like for your interview. So so you did that for um, a year, right? Um, yeah, just did, over a year. Or, yeah, I, so, I think it was like a year and a month or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, during that time, like you probably learned so much. Right. Um, and mm -hmm. uh, what then led you kind of to transition to the infrastructure technician role? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's another interesting one as well, because, um, as I mentioned, I was very interested in technology. Um, but, you know, I never studied at school. I didn't really have any kind of formal credentials that made me feel, you know, personally qualified to do anything like that. Um, I was kind of under the impression when I when I did the apprenticeship, like my first one, the digital marketing one, I kind of thought, you know, maybe I'll do this for a year and then go work at a marketing agency or, you know, I honestly had no idea what, what my future plan was. Um, and coincidentally at the same time, so kind of halfway through this digital marketing apprenticeship, uh, Google launched a new apprenticeship which was this infrastructure technician one. Um, and I came across it, you know, one day, ironically, I saw it on an Instagram advert actually when I was in the office um, and I saw they were advertising it. Um, so the great thing is when, when you're, you know, inside a company, oftentimes it doesn't really matter which company, but, you know, you can look at internal roles, you can reach out to internal people. Um, and I think that's probably the one, the one big thing that I've learned is the importance of other people in networking. I know it's a, a common thing and it's a bit of a cliche to say, you know, like, oh, you need to be networking like, in order to get forward in your career. Um, and I, I think there's a bit more to it than that. You know, people always just yell, uh, you know, kind of yell networking as a buzzword. Um, but I think, you know, networking doesn't have to mean going to a conference, standing around with 100 other people, awkwardly walking up to people and shaking their hand and hoping that, you know, they'll give you a job. You know, I, I really don't think that's how networking should work. Most of the time, I think it's, you know, informal collisions, you know, whether you bump into someone at an event or you might see someone on LinkedIn. You know, I think, Ruben, when, when we first met, actually, it was something quite casual like that. I can't remember exactly whether it was LinkedIn or email, but... Um, you know, it's very informal. Um, and, you know, most of the time people are very willing to speak to you. Um, you know, th there's absolutely nothing to lose from asking people for help or asking people to speak to you. Um, because you, if you think about what's the worst that could happen, you know, you're not going to be in any worse position than when you are now for, for speaking to someone, you know. And the best case is, you know, you form this new relationship. They might offer you something. You might explore a whole new area. Um, and I think, you know, coming back to the original point of how did I get into this infrastructure technician role, um, it kind of did come through speaking to other people. You know, I'd coincidentally bumped into other people through, throughout my first year at Google. 
um, who had maybe worked on the more technical side um, and other people who had directed me kind of to, to this part of Google. Um, so anyway, I, I saw the role listed and I got my then manager to reach out to the hiring manager. Um, and I spoke to him, you know, we had a sort of one-to-one -one chat um, and it was actually quite straightforward. You know, luckily I could transfer over. Yeah, I did have to do some other interviews. The, the interview experience was quite interesting. Um, you know, I was asked some wacky questions, but by no means what, you know, you often hear from Google about these, these brain, whatever you call them, brain twisters or tongue twisters. But um, there's there definitely some interesting questions. Um, and I think the reason for why I wanted to go for it is I really wanted to go into something more technical. So I'd worked, you know, in marketing at that point for about six or so months. Um, and I was very interested in it. You know, I was interested in the industry and I was interested in the technology industry. But I kind of felt that I wanted to go more into the software and technical side. But, you know, as I said, I had no kind of real skills. You know, here I am with three A-levels, you know, in languages and geography. Um, and that, that's about everything I had going for me. Um, so that's why the second apprenticeship was great, because it allowed me to learn all the you know, all the technical stuff from, from a basic knowledge. Um, so I would say, you know, if, if you are interested in going into a new area, regardless of age, you know, apprenticeships are often viewed as only for school leavers, which is not true. Um, you know, there are apprentices at Google and all, all other kind of companies who are, you know, all kinds of ages and at different parts in their career and different parts of life. Um, so I used that second apprenticeship as an opportunity to, you know, learn from scratch. How do you fix computers? How does the internet work? Um, and the great thing was there was a big crossover between my personal interest and what I got to do on the job. Um, so I kind of worked in the internal technical support, what's referred to as tech stop at Google. Um, and it was fantastic. You know, the stuff that I was interested in, you know, personally, like what I had a passion for, I was able to do at work. And that's one of those things that you never really expect to happen. You know, you always think of work and, you know, home stuff and personal interests as completely separate. Um, so I've been very lucky to be able to combine them to an extent in my job. Yeah. And, you know, um, on the point of um, uh, interviews, I want to get to that um, question later on. But um, yeah. uh, okay. before that, so you, you did a year at digital marketing, um, roughly another year in infrastructure. Um, yeah. Right. And um, so eventually um, you must have done really well because now you're working there full time. Um, so eventually you decided to take on the cloud technical engineer role how does how did that actually feel joining as one of the youngest ever technical solutions engineers with like no degree and yeah. quite an unconventional path to google so how did that feel i mean it was it was very surreal and it still is um it's just one of those things that you know you're kind of taught from a young age it's just it's just not possible like no matter how you look at it no matter who you ask you know everyone will tell you you know it's not possible whether it's because you've come from a very you know a pretty basic background you know I've come from a quite sort of modest area like I was never exposed to some you know crazy private education I never went to an Ivy League or a Russell Group school um, and you know I, I never had anyone around me to kind of guide me along that route so you're kind of you know you kind of tell yourself that it's not possible you know regardless of what other people would say um, and I think as, as you go through it you start to understand more and more of how these things that you think matter don't actually matter and I think what I mean by that is education, I mean, obviously it's going to be subjective and different people will give you different opinions based on their own experience. But what I've learned is education is much less important than it often seems to be. Um, and I think a lot of that does come from school. You know, when you're in school, you're under this impression that education is the most important thing that's going to happen to you. You know, GCSEs and A-levels are critical to the rest of your life. 
going to university is the one route to being able to have a good career. Um, and, you know, if, if you go that route, you know, I'm sure you, it does work out well like for a lot of people. Um, I think it's, you know, it, it's kind of the safe route. I don't, I don't want to sound too cheesy, but following that is the safe route. You know, it, everything's kind of planned out for you, you know, school, university, you can kind of predict where you're going to end up. Um, and, you know, obviously I didn't go that route, so I can't really comment on, you know, where I would be. I was going to study French and Spanish at university, so who, who knows where I would be. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, when, when I think about it, it still seems crazy. Um, but what I've learned is that you can totally just teach yourself so much of this stuff. Um, and what other people say or think literally doesn't matter. It just doesn't come into consideration when you're doing this type of thing. Um, so much of the time, you know, if, if you do set yourself a goal, you know, th these goals are often much more achievable than you think they are. Um, and a lot of it comes from just observing, you know, the world around you. Um, for example, in, in, in my previous roles, you know, I learned so much of my stuff kind of just through what I call passive learning. Um, just passive learning is just by absorbing stuff that's going on around you. You know, you understand how things work. Um, you know, you listen to what people are saying. And that's so different to school and university. You know, school and university is very active. You know, you're sitting there reading these textbooks. It's kind of like one route. You know, you're going to all learn the same thing. Um, and I personally just really struggle with that you know I just find it so boring um, exams are just so I don't know I, I, I just really struggle with exams I just kind of found them meaningless it's like you know I complete these exams but then what you know it doesn't really it doesn't really add up to much like you know you, you get a degree which is like great but then what um, you know I think it's so much more exciting to teach yourself stuff that you're interested in um, and then being able to you know apply it to a real job is great um, so yeah I mean I'm trying to remember what the original question was like what does it feel like yeah yeah how, how did it feel like joining as one of the youngest ever because how, how did your team feel about it and how did you kind of manage to fit in because I um, I think for a lot of people if they're transitioning into a new role especially being quite young and new it can be quite overwhelming so how did you kind of mm -hmm. handle that process yeah okay yeah um I guess there's, there's this one element to consider which is it is quite often thrown around this term imposter syndrome um and like people say it and, you know, people might groan or they might sort of go, oh, not that phrase again. Um, and I think imposter syndrome is a way to kind of talk about a specific kind of group of feelings or, um, you know, if, if you achieve something that you don't think is possible, you know, you have these feelings that you're an imposter or you feel like everyone around you is so much more qualified. And, you know, I, I've totally had this throughout my entire time at Google, you know, throughout, you know, when I was a marketing apprentice, when I worked in the IT team um, and especially now, like it is it's been you know it's been the hardest now I think when I first started um because you know for, for the most part everyone around you you know especially at a place like Google you know people do come from quite you know typically well-respected backgrounds you know you know quite well educated often from you know other other great companies um so coming in without any of that is extremely daunting and you know from the, from the beginning you kind of tell yourself that you're behind everyone there's no way that you could ever achieve what any of these people have done because you haven't done what they've done in their, in their past. But I, I think what I've kind of realized is, and it might sound quite funny, but I've heard other people say it as well, but no, no one really knows what they're doing to an extent. I think everyone's very good at giving off the kind of the impression that, you know, they know what they're doing. They've got their entire life mapped out. Everything they've ever done is for a specific reason. But so much of the time we're all kind of just, you know, doing what we think is right. You know, I, you know, I interviewed for this role because, you know, I thought it was right for me. On my day-to-day -day job, I try to do the correct things. I think it's right. 
you know, there, there's no rule book telling anyone what they should do. So everyone's just trying to make the best judgment. Um, and I think once you start to realize that we're all so similar when it comes to this type of stuff, you know, everyone feels like they're underqualified compared to other people. Um, and it's kind of funny because everyone thinks this, but, you know, there's, there's actually nothing really there. You know, we're, we're all qualified people working in the same place. You know, like we've been through these interviews, we've proven that, you know, we, we can meet the expectations for the role. Um, and even though now, you know, I still feel like I somehow snuck through or, you know, it was like a mistake. And a lot of people feel like that regardless of where they are. Um, but you just have to kind of find comfort in, in that, you know, you have to find comfort in um, kind of not knowing what's going to happen. Uh, I think it comes back to, you know, being outside your comfort zone. You know, everything you could ever want in life is outside of your comfort zone. Um, it's very easy to just sit and, you know, do what you're told or just sit and listen to what everyone's telling you to do. But if you end up doing that, you know, you just you just kind of sit there all day, every day, doing kind of the bare minimum, what's expected. And you never really push past that. So, you know, you, you really have to, you know, actively, proactively reach out to people, do stuff that you really don't feel comfortable with, because that's how you grow. Otherwise, you'll end up kind of just being in the same position. So what I would say is, and, you know, since starting in, in this current role, you know, pushing yourself outside your comfort zone is like the one route to growing. Um, because, you know, whether it's presenting, whether it's learning new concepts, you know, whatever it may be, um, you know, you, you really have to push yourself. Um, and in the end, you know, it, it does help because you become more confident every time. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll come back to that because I think there's a question about failure coming up and I've, I've got a good response to that. I, I remember you telling me when we met at Google not too long ago um, about your interview experience and how you really had to kind of yeah, you shared some really interesting stories about that whole experience. So before we get to the question mm. of failure, um, tell us about your interview experience for this current role. And yeah, like what advice would you give to people in a similar position? Um, and also just for everyone listening, Google is a company that has quite a lot said about its interview process and it's uh, the, in the, the interview questions. So yeah, how much of that is true uh, since you've gone, actually gone through that process? Um, and yeah, what advice do you have for people in that, in potentially a similar position? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so I think to address kind of the question around interview topics and interview questions. So as you said, um, you know, if, if you think of a Google interview or, you know, other interviews in the tech industry, um, often you might think of these ridiculous questions um, or these other questions which just have no clear answer. And they're supposedly there to try and test your thinking skills. Um, and, you know, I just want to say that those questions are just not asked. Um, you know, I think they might have been asked, you know, 10 plus years ago. But in the end, it turned out that there was no correlation between asking these questions and candidate success. Um, you know, and that's one of the great things about not only this company, but, you know, other similar companies that they're constantly improving the interview process. And, you know, just, the, you know, the, the way the company works. So if something isn't working or if there's feedback that something's not working, you know, it's typically always improved. So when it came to the interview, though, the questions are a lot more structured. So kind of what you would expect from a normal interview. Um, and what I would say is that there's no like there's no magic to it. You know, it's an interview just like any other company. It's not like Google is this kind of magic rainbow company where they ask you these crazy questions and you have to be this crazy, you know, Ivy League genius to get an interview. It's just not the case at all. Um, you know, you, you can go on the Google Careers website and you can see what kind of roles are open at the moment. You know, there's never been more, you know, areas of Google and open roles as there are now. So that's what I used to do when I was younger. I used to go on the Google Careers website and just look at random roles and see if I could ever reach them. Um, but yeah, I think when it came to the interview itself, so 
the questions are a lot more structured. So it'd be asking about specific concepts. So for this, you know, this cloud role, it was heavily focused around web technology. So there were questions about, you know, how does the internet work or how do some kind of, you know, protocols work? Um, and prior to these interviews, you know, I had very little understanding of how this stuff works. You know, I've learned it all in the past year or so, um, because I, if I think back to this time last year, and, you know, if, if I were to tell myself these questions that I was asked in my interview, there is no way I'd be able to answer them, let alone have any idea about what they're really talking about, which I think is just a testament to how much you can learn um, in such a short space of time. Um, so I would not worry about your background. You know, if you're interested in technology, your, your background is really not important. It, it's all about what you're interested in and, you know, what, what you can teach yourself. But um, yeah, so the interview process, you know, as I said, some more structured questions. Um, there are also some behavioral questions with, with any interview. So things like, you know, how do you deal with specific situations? Um, how do you deal with, you know, specific teammates or hypothetical uh, kind of situations you know google's very big on these hypothetical questions you know what would you do if this happened or let's say this happens how would you approach it so it's a lot more about how you think more than anything um, and especially if you're looking at kind of these entry-level apprenticeship internship graduate roles it's much less about what you know and much more about your potential so even in my current role now you know the interview was focused on you know my potential rather than what i knew because you know i'm not an expert in a lot of these areas um, so they might ask you, you know, like, they, they often put you under pressure to try and see how you cope with it. You know, if if a really stressful situation happened, you know, what happens if there was an outage or what happens if 10 people came up to you at once? How would you manage that? Um, and it can seem quite daunting at first because you think that if you don't answer it correctly, you know, you're going to be out. But that's what they're designed to do. Like these questions are designed to push you and they're designed to sort of, you know, really make you think. And it's never a case of you having to get them all right to go through to the next stage or to get a job. Um, it's about how you respond to them and, you know, how you use people around you. You know, when do you ask other teammates for help? When do you go to your manager for help? Um, and then also just about you as a person, you know, why, why are you interested in the company? Why are you interested in the role? Where do you kind of see yourself in the next few years? Uh, you know, they, they just want to try and hire, you know, nice, genuine people who, who are actually happy and excited to, to do what they do. Um, so that's kind of how the interview process worked. You know, it's, it's really not too scary. It seems very scary from the outside. And even when I was going through it, it seemed like the scariest thing I could think of. But looking back on it, um, you know, you, you understand why they ask certain questions and how they have the structure. Um, so don't be put off by anything you've ever heard about, you know, Google interviews. Um, they're, they're really not too bad. Yeah, I, uh, I, I feel like a lot of people that are listening to this um, episode of the podcast um, will feel that um, you have a quite a unique kind of um, perspective on this because uh, even though you don't have the traditional kind of background that a lot of other Google engineers have in terms of like programming and all of that, mm -hmm. you actually put in the work to get to the level you needed to be. Um, and so my question is, um, how did you kind of prepare to, to actually get to the level you needed to be to perform well? And um, uh, what kind of helped you along that way? Because you had to kind of teach yourself a lot of these things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that, that, that's always been a big thing. It's kind of looking at resources and working out the best way to teach myself stuff. Um, I think from a young age, you know, when I say that, I mean, kind of, you know, from the age of five, six, seven, um, I was always interested in computers. Um, I think around that time, you know, the latest operating system I was using was Windows XP. Um, and I remember just messing about on these computers, not really knowing what I was doing. Um, and, you know, I think looking back on it, I could tell that I was interested in it, but at the time I had no idea you know, what I was doing. But I think that was an early suggestion that, you know, a route in technology would be a good fit for me. 
So I'd say, you know, first of all, if you're interested in, you know, this industry or this um, kind of um, part of the economy, if you kind of think of what you're interested in as a person, you know, what do you like to do in your spare time? I think what you did when you were younger is always a good kind of indicator. Like you always hear about these, you know, the current CEOs of Facebook and Google or, you know, the founders of Apple. They all showed these signs from when they were very young that they were interested in computers. And while you don't have to, you know, you know, know how to code from the age of five, you know, very few people can do that. Probably like 0.01% of people can do that. Um, you know, that, that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about just being interested in it genuinely. Even if you're not an expert, you know, an interest is one of the most powerful things you can have. Um, because if you're interested, you know, it means you want to learn more about it. And I think if you do already have that underlying interest, even if you've never studied it, even if you've been told that it's not a good fit for you, if you know that you're interested in it, you know, that's probably the perfect kind of launch pad to start on when it comes to teaching yourself more concrete things and more technical things. So in terms of the actual kind of resources I used, so I think that the first part of it is going back to this kind of observer passive learning type thing. Um, if you put yourself in situations where you're exposed to this and, you know, I appreciate that's quite difficult, you know, when I, you know, I, I could never really be surrounded by other technical people when I was younger. So I guess, you know, one, one good way to do that is, you know, just by watching videos and watching, you know, content, which is technical, you know, whether that might be, you know, YouTubers talking about computers or maybe it's an unboxing of a phone or maybe it's, you know, some kind of explanation of how something on the internet works. You know, just by watching that, you're, you're already absorbing you're already absorbing more information than you realize. Um, so a lot of my kind of, I think, knowledge came from that, you know, just watching loads of these random YouTube videos when I was younger. And even now, you know, I carry on watching these videos um, and you often pick up these random bits of information that end up being more significant than you think. Um, so I think that that's one element of it. Um, another element is just the internet itself, which, you know, I guess you could say is ironic in a sense, because you're using the internet to learn about the internet. But the great thing is, you know, the internet was created by technical people and, you know, it's run by technical people. And that means that the internet itself, you know, is full of information about technical stuff. Yeah, I, I really think the online community um, when it comes to the internet is great. Um, you know, you have all these websites, whether it be, you know, something more casual like Reddit, you know, there are loads of these subreddits which talk about, you know, how do I build a PC? How does the internet work? Um, and then there are kind of more formal sites like Stack Overflow, if, you've, if any of you have ever come across that, which is for more, you know, technical programming type uh, questions. Um, but honestly, I, th I think the best way to start is by trying to set yourself a goal for what you want to do. So, for example, uh, you could say something like, I want to learn how to install an operating system. You know, you, you might have no idea how to do that. I had no idea how to do that until a couple of years ago. So the best way to start is just by looking it up online. Um, and there's so many guides, you know, step by step for a beginner available free online on, on how this stuff works. And, you know, over a few weeks and months, you know, it, it definitely takes time depending on what you want to do. Like if, if you want to kind of do it freely um, and not have to pay anything, you can just use online resources and, you know, you slowly build yourself up um, to the point where you're feeling more comfortable. Um, and then if you want to do a kind of more formal route, you know, you can do an apprenticeship kind of like what I did. Uh, I think an apprenticeship is the best way to learn stuff quickly and you get paid for it at the same time. Um, even if you don't have any previous experience, you know, most kind of entry-level apprenticeships don't require any experience. All, all you need is to be passionate about the subject. So no matter your age, as, as I said before, you know, even if you're a school leaver, even if you're, you know, later, even if you're, even if you're in, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, you can still do an apprenticeship. 
um, in, in loads of fields, uh, you know, whether it be IT, something digital, it could be tourism, leisure, sport, music, anything. Um, you know, that, that's a great way to learn on the job um, because oftentimes you might think, you know, I want to do a career change or I want to go into this particular field. But it seems impossible because, you know, what we've been told when we're younger is in order to go into a specific industry, you need a degree in that field, which is not true. I mean, you know, maybe for some specific fields, you know, a degree is still warranted in, and it's something you need to work for. Um, but I think more and more, more industries are realizing the importance and the power of self-teaching and the power of apprenticeships. Um, so that, that would be my guidance um, if, if you're interested in kind of learning on the job with no experience. And then... Yeah. There, I guess to quickly cover another area, you know, that there are these kind of boot camps and other kind of shorter education courses. So if you are interested in doing a more formal uh, or go through a sort, sort of more formal education, you know, you can do these four, eight, 12 week boot camps where you can learn to code from scratch. And while you do have to pay for it, you know, if, if you're really passionate about it, you can totally do that. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's kind of how I did it. I, I mainly stuck to the free online resources um, and I also had a Raspberry Pi. Um, which you can use for all kinds of things. But I think that's a whole other topic. But if you haven't come across them before, just type in Raspberry Pi into Google and you can see all the crazy stuff you can do with it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's some great advice. And how has like um, a failure in your time at Google or even before that um, set you up for a later success? And do you have a favorite failure that you would mm -hmm. want to share? Yeah, good question. Yeah. Um, so it, I know it's often said that, you know, failure is the most important thing. You know, it's the biggest lesson that you'll learn. Um, and I think, you know, that is 100 percent true. But I, th I think there's a bit more to it as well, because, um, you know, people will say, don't worry if you fail, like it will get better or, you know, don't don't be afraid of failing or messing up. Um, and, you know, while it's you know good to be told that, I think it's often very difficult to apply that in, in the context of what you're doing. So, for example, if, if you're in school or, you know, if you've recently left school, wherever you are, um, it might not seem really clear what, you know, what, what is a failure? You know, is a failure, you know, screwing up your exams? Because, you know, I got a U in economics when I was in year 12. And, you know, on paper, that seems like a massive failure. But, you know, down the line, that hasn't, you know, hindered me in the slightest. You know, go, going back to your point about, you know, how, how has it helped you in the future? You could say the fact that I got a U in economics means that I didn't pursue that. And because of that, I'm now in a, you know, in a position that I really enjoy. Um, so it does really redirect you. I think I came across a, a quote or I saw somewhere saying that, you know, failure is not, um, you know, failure doesn't matter. Failure is just redirection. Um, and I think that's, that's an interesting way to think about it. Um, but I think also failure is one of the best ways to become more confident, which sounds you know, it's, that sounds completely wrong, right? You know, you kind of think failure is synonymous with, you know, doing the wrong thing, being insecure. Um, and I don't think that's true. You know, if, if you think about it in context, so let's say, for example, and this is very true, you know, I've done the wrong thing in my job. You know, I've, I've unplugged things I shouldn't have done. I've said the wrong thing. Um, you know, I've broken things. Um, and that kind of from an outsider's perspective, you know, seems terrible. It's like, oh my God, you broke something. Like, how on earth are you still employed? And that, that's kind of the perception I had before I started. You know, I thought, damn, it, you know, if I break something or do the wrong thing, you know, I'm going to be fired immediately. And that's just not true because if you think about, say, for example, you know, let's say I broke something, which has happened, as I said. So let's say I break something, whether it's, you know, a laptop or I've broken some kind of system. Um, the, the good thing that comes out of that is you, you've now learned, you know, what not to do next time. So next time I'll go into that thing 
I'll know exactly what not to do in, in order to not break it, if that makes sense. Um, and then going forward, I'll have more confidence in the product or whatever I'm doing or whatever I'm using because I'll understand how it works. You know, I think failure teaches you so much more about a situation than success does. Um, you know, su su success is easy when it happens. And by, by what I'm, and you know, when I say that, you know, let's say you get offered a job or you do really well somewhere, you know, success is just given to you. And I'm not saying success comes from nothing. I'm saying if you are successful, you know, success just happens. You know, it is this thing, you know, success, well done, great. Um, but that's kind of it. You know, you might get to the next stage or what, whatever you're trying to do. But failure, you know, that's, that gives you the learning opportunity because now you have to work harder in order to not do it again. And by failing and working out what you did wrong, that's how you learn to improve on, on, on what you did last time, if that makes sense. I think this is a very wishy-washy explanation, but hopefully it's coming across in the way I wanted it to. Um, but I think, you know, failure after failure, you know, it, it just leads you to success in the end because the more you fail, the more you learn. It is, I think it's kind of as simple as that. Um, so I think that's that's kind of what I'd say about failure. You know, it, it gives you more confidence, which is a really funny thing to say. But yeah. Yeah, I, I really love the way you just you, you just put that and the examples that you shared. Um, I've certainly failed in so many things in my, my own mm -hmm. life and um, even doing an apprenticeship um, before university. Uh, I remember so many big mistakes I made. So I want to move on to something I ask everyone that comes on this okay. podcast, which is a hypothetical yeah. question. Um, and um, so if it's if it was many years from now and it's like the last day for you and um, everything you've kind of done, so like all your social media posts, all the LinkedIn stuff, um, everything is erased for some reason. Um, and you can write down three things that you know about life, business, or whatever it may be, three things that you would leave to the world of your biggest lessons. What would those three things be for you? Okay. I think I'll probably go through these one by one because I'll need yeah. to think of them as I go through. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah. yeah. But I, I think, you know, I think they're all people related. It, they're, they're all kind of social things. Um, by which I mean, you know, how, how we interact with each other as people and how we perceive each other. I think that can be one of the most important things when it comes to, you know, how we approach life. And while that sounds, you know, perhaps quite pretentious and also quite profound, what I mean by that is, you know, so much of the time we try to guide our lives by what other people are doing. Um, and I think that's kind of, you know, ingrained in us as a child when we're growing up, especially at school. You know, school teaches you to maybe be slightly competitive. You know, you want to have the best grades. Um, you want to study harder than everyone else. You know, you know, this person got this grade, but you got that grade. You need to work harder to get the same as that person. And I think when I was at school, I, I kind of knew about this, but I never really understood it, which is why, you know, I didn't go for crazy high grades or apply for these great universities um, because it just kind of felt meaningless to me. You know, I didn't understand why people were focusing so hard on this. You know, I just didn't really see the point. So I guess maybe my first point would be, I don't know, I can't phrase it very eloquently, but it'd be something along the lines of, you know, follow what you're interested in and don't be distracted by other people um and while that's quite a common phrase or you know a common idea you know if if you speak to lots of people or if you, you know read what other people say a lot of the time it will be along the lines of you know follow your heart or follow your dreams or don't do what everyone else does and there is a lot of truth in that and I think sometimes it just takes a bit of time to kind of really appreciate that 
Um, and I think the reason why I think that applies to my situation or how, or why, you know, I think it's important for me is, you know, as you said, my background has been quite unconventional. And if I'd followed what I'd been told to do, or if, you know, if, if other people had influenced me, I'd be somewhere completely different. You know, all my friends went to university and on paper, it could be very easy for me to, you know, go down the same path. And I'm not saying that, you know, going to university is the wrong decision. I don't think there's such thing as an incorrect path. You know, every path will lead you to, you know, success at some point. Um, and I think, I think that's another, I mean, I guess that could be my number two point, you know, there's no such thing as an incorrect path or a wrong path. Um, even when you're leaving school or wherever you are at in your life or career, um, you know, I really don't think there's anything you could do that would completely mess, you know, mess up your trajectory. You know, obviously that's within reason, you know, I'm not talking about ridiculous things, but I'm just saying, you know, if you have the choice between a university or if you have the choice between university and an apprenticeship or you have, or you're slightly older and you have the choice between two jobs, like do I stay at my job or do I leave my job? You know, oftentimes, you know, there's a, maybe there's a clear option, you know, if one of them pays way better and you're more interested in the other company, it's like, yeah, well, you, you'd probably follow that because, you know, you're passionate about it and, it and it pays well. But if you're in this situation where both seem equally viable, and I think a common one for young people is university or not university, you know, which one do I do? It doesn't feel like there's one which is correct. Everyone's sending me conflicting information. I would just say, you know, both of them will lead you on a, on a successful path. Um, and the reason why that's true is because you're not stuck doing the same thing for the rest of your life. You know, I, I think my, my kind of path is a testament to that. You know, I've been all over the place. You know, as I said, I started with languages and then I went into digital marketing and then I went into IT and now I'm, you know, working with, you know, with cloud and cloud technologies. Um, and, you know, that, that's a perfect example of, you know, not really knowing what you want to do and going all over the place. And that, that's why I think it's important. Like you just need to try loads of different things. Um, don't, you know, commit yourself to one thing for the rest of your life. Um, because that's how, you know, you can become complacent or you can become bored. Even if you're not sure of what you want to do, just pick a path, you know, worst case scenario is you don't like it and you leave six months later or you leave a year later. And I think, actually, I guess maybe my third point would be there's no such thing as a bad experience, which again, sounds absolutely ridiculous, but I, I, I like to think about this quite a lot whenever something, you know, on, on the surface, it seems like a bad thing, but if you look down or if you kind of look into it a bit deeper, you know, there's actually a lot of good that comes out of it. So, for example, let's say you get rejected from a job or you apply for something, you get rejected. You know, everyone gets rejected from something at some point in their life. On the surface, it seems like a terrible thing. It's like, well, you know, well, crap, you know, I've been rejected. How can that be a good thing? But, you know, going back to this whole idea of failure is redirection or, you know, if you get rejected, it just leads you on a different path. You know, through, throughout the period of rejection, you know, you've learned, you know, let, let's say you're applying for a job. You've been through the application process. You know how that works. You've been through interviews. You know how that works. You know, you've learned so much from that experience. And just because, you know, it ended in, you know, quote unquote rejection, you know, it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Um, and I think you can apply that to loads of other things, you know, whether it's career related or not, even in your life, you know, whether it's, you know, it could be something like a breakup or maybe you're moving house or it could be anything at all. What on the surface seems like a bad thing, you will have learned so much in that experience. And I think it's better to focus on what you've learned through that experience rather than focusing on the end result. Um, because I think as people, we're so you know focused on the end result of something. All we want to do is look at the end result. You know, we want to be a millionaire. We want to be a billionaire. We want to change the world. But it's not about, you know, it's not about where you end up. It's about, you know, it's about the journey. And I know that's a really cliche saying, um, but it's just so true. Everything you learn along the path is so much more important than where you end up. You know, where you end up is just, 
no, it's, it's just a label. It, it's, it's not you as a person. Um, so I think th those have been my three, my three things. I can't remember what they were. I think the first one was, <laughs> I can't remember if you were keeping track. Um, yeah, yeah, that makes that that makes a lot of sense, Ben. Um, actually, when you said the third point, um, uh, something that came to my mind was I, I don't know who said this, but um, I remember hearing it somewhere, and it was like people will never remember what you uh, said or what you did, but people will. The one thing people will remember is how you made them feel, and yeah. Um, yeah, and 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 those words kind of really struck me because it's it's actually so true if you think about it. Um, mm -hmm. uh, when uh, when someone dies it's not like um you're going to remember oh they worked at <laughs> they worked at this um company or um and they worked so many hours in their job and uh, people will just remember the person you became and the person you were and mm -hmm. how you made them feel um so i think that's so important and um yeah i think i, I mean we've been able to cover so, so much so um i'm going to leave it here because uh we've been able to cover a lot and you've shared some really really great insights about and advice um so um, thank you. And if people want to find out um, more about your kind of journey, um, where can they follow you? Um, what are your kind of social media accounts? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So it's funny, I've, I've, I'm never really a big user of social media. Yeah. Um, I think my most active place is probably LinkedIn. LinkedIn, It's yeah. kind of as cringy as that sounds, but, you know, I'm more than happy to, you know, connect with people or speak to people. Um, yeah. I've also got an email address, which is listed there. Um, but but genuinely, like if, if you're listening to this and you know you might think this is the most ridiculous, stupid thing you've ever heard, and it's like you know that, that's fine. Like you, you're entitled to think what you want to think. But um, you know if if you've heard any of this and you think you know that sounds really interesting or you have any other questions, you know I'm more than happy to you know message message you or even even have a call with you. Um, so like just please feel free to reach out because um, as I said, we're all much more similar than we are different. Like yeah. we're, we're all sharing the same experiences together. So there, there's no reason why um you know I, I i shouldn't be open to to speaking with other people so i'm yeah. more than happy to that's great yeah thank you thank you for um uh being open um and yeah so if anyone wants to find out more about um ben's kind of career journey or um ask any more questions uh, you can find him on linkedin um i'll try and link ben's linkedin on the uh, on the notes so you can uh, uh, follow that from there so yeah i mean hopefully we'll see uh you know other people following these paths as well um, yeah I'm, I'm a bit i'm a big advocate for apprenticeships so yeah you know I, I would always say that is a great path to follow if, if you're unsure of what to do but you know obviously yeah. up to you yeah cool take care everyone and um thank you thank you so much for listening